Welcome, everybody, to the Fantasy Golf Bag First Look Podcast. This is a uh, dual stream, so this will be a live stream viewed on twitch.tv slash and also on our YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.com and then search uh, Fantasy Golf Bag and find our, our channels there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this will be a live stream, so I'll be viewing the comments. Um, I've been live for about 15 minutes, and I never hit live, so I was just talking to myself. I have a really good grasp on it. I think I gave all out all the right plays. Um, no, we, we didn't get too far down a rabbit hole, but we will uh, we will talk through the the overview of the golf course. So again, going to preview the Honda Classic, looking at PGA National, and then we'll use for fantasy golf bag um, the Super Prox primarily, and then if we have time at the end, I'll just pull up the normal um, extended approach data that we have. But um, the super procs is a pretty good way for us to, to get a grasp on, especially, I mean, honestly, with the way the golf course is with two par fives, obviously a lot of par fours um, every week, it's beneficial, but maybe even more so this week. So we'll look at that. And then I have it pulled up on data golf and there's a gnat. Um, <laughs> and so we'll look through that. Uh, anything I forgot that I mentioned in the beginning? Um don't think so. Again, I'm Drew Matthews, also known as Red Kachik. I'm the, the main contributor here at fantasygolfbag.com. So I encourage you to check out the website, check out the data and the showdown showdown, showdown, showdown tools um, every slate Thursday night through Saturday night for round two through four. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, let's go ahead and get started. I probably saved us about 10 minutes because I was in 15 minutes and probably wasn't very far. So this is probably very good progress. Um, unfortunately I got the gnat. Look at that. <clears throat> got him. Yeah, this, I, I try to do this every Monday and then we have a Wednesday live stream as well. Final look, whatever you want to call it. Um, last week didn't work out. I had a sick kid, unfortunately, and just was, just couldn't make it work. And then this week I'm sick. So <clears throat> I didn't want to miss two weeks in a row. So we're going to bust through this thing. And, uh, I think we should get off to a good point. The, the, the main piece that's probably missing from this stream that we, we always hit on on Wednesday, even if it's not even necessary, I think a few times we've looked at wind when it's one mile an hour and we just talk through it really quickly and, and move on. But um, there should be some weather concern or weather impact this week, and we'll talk about that on Wednesday night's live stream. It's just I don't, I don't plan to waste any time I'm talking about it now, and even if it doesn't change, um, we'll, we'll know more detail on the actual like time frames of the, of the weather impact on Wednesday going into Thursday and Friday. So, um, all right, let's go ahead and dive into it. So again, what I did um, in the first 15 minute segment that was not recorded, I, I just went ahead and went to the super prox um, data table. So if you click that and then we'll go to extended approach later. So we'll hit super prox first. It'll load a little and I'll hide myself for right now. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, you can actually play with it in the Excel sheet that's embedded in here. Uh, but it's also easier. It's obviously also, um, it's easier if you just download it to Excel and then it's, you can play with it in here. So we'll walk through this. There's a five T tab down here at the bottom. Let me try to make the screen a little bit bigger. There we go. 
um, a 5T tab, which is the last five tournaments, 10T tab, which is the last 10 tournaments, basically through the fall swing. And then we have a course history, which is <clears throat> it's just the last two years. You could pull in more, but from a DFS perspective and like a golfer's skill level, the last two years is most relevant for me. Um, I think course history goes back further than that in terms of like a person's um, comfortability on a golf course. But from a data standpoint, what we're looking at here specifically with proximity numbers and, you know, distance into these par fours, the last two years is is plenty far back to go, in my opinion. Uh, any further back than that, there's probably some type of difference in technology for the player or just the player's skill level has changed on those wedges or mid irons or long irons, what have you. So what I'm going to focus on last five tournaments and again, the last two tournament, the last two years played at uh, PGA National using um, the course history there to map it with the EAP that we have. So we'll look through that. First thing we want to look at is the actual golf course and talk through that for a second. Um, probably the easiest way to go about it is every single week. First thing I'll look at is the yardage. Um, just to get an idea if it's going to be a long golf course or a short golf course. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to play long. So for example, um, I don't know what what is the uh, what is the yardage at RBC Heritage sixty eight eighty something like that sixty nine ninety six perfect right on the button um, so it's seven thousand yards driving distance of two eighty and you can see the distances this course is actually longer than a lot of the longer golf courses so I don't know what Riviera played last week and actually pull it up but if you can just for those that are listening on the podcast this is showing. Um, RBC here is 7,000 yards driving distance average of 278. And then the proximities are right at 20% for 150 to 175, 27% for 175 to 200. So 47% from 150 to 200. Pretty, pretty long for a golf course that is, you know, notably short in today's time. Uh, I'm curious what like Arnold Palmer, if I can type Arnold Palmer Invitational is, or actually we just talked about the Genesis. So if we go back to the Genesis from last week, um longer golf course so 7200 yards a little bit longer um but not much right 150 to 200 yards so so 300 yards further almost and right at 50 per 48% um so i mean 2% longer um from that bucket so about the same even though it's 300 yards further so it just gives you an idea so driving distance doesn't necessarily matter um the course yardage doesn't necessarily matter. We're going to try to focus on the proximities because that gives you a greater idea on how the golf course plays, how people will attack the golf course. So it has a good mix. I mean, still 20%, 125 to 150 on average. And again, the, the super prox sheet will, will tailor that to the actual players. Um, driving accuracy, green regulation rates, we, we look at every single week. This one's pretty standard. So when I look at this, um, again, it's 64% driving accuracy, 64% green regulation rate. When it's matched up like that, it's just it's fairly tough off the tee. It's fairly tough into the greens. Essentially, it's not so much one to one, but basically, if you hit the fairway, you have a really good shot at hitting the green. If you don't hit the fairway, you're probably not going to hit the green. It's basically a one to one ratio. Um, conversely, if it was like a really high driving accuracy rate, like seventy five percent, and then a green regulation rate was sixty three percent, like at Pebble. Then that tells me the greens are really small. There's an even bigger emphasis on greener regulation rate for, for the players coming into this week. Driving accuracy doesn't matter. Um, 
And again, it's all one big package. You're looking at distance, you're looking at accuracy and green regulation rate. That's the main pieces that I'm looking at for the golf course. The other thing that I look at is the scoring, which I had pulled up <clears throat> over here. And for the last um, the last couple events played at PGA National, the winning score, 12 under par last year, 6 under par in 2020, Sungjae M1. Keith Mitchell finished at 9 under in 2019. And then minus 8, minus 12, minus 9, minus 6, minus 8. That's back through 2014. Um, so it gives you an idea. It's not going to be an easy golf course. The wind makes it much more difficult. But expect, you know, low, I mean, I, I, probably not even low teens, just 10 under par, low single digits at the best. Um, the scoring this whole year, though, has been extremely, extremely low. So we'll see what actually plays out at the Honda. Um, again, like I said, it looks like there's going to be some wind impact. And maybe that brings it down to that nine under par, eight under par winning score. That'd be fantastic based off of the last couple of weeks that we watched. Uh, just birdie bonanzas is ridiculous. I mean, Neiman kind of ran away with it last week. So it's not so much the whole field went nuts. But still, if you would have taken Neiman out and even uh, Cameron Young out, Saturday's leaderboard would have looked really pretty cool going into Sunday. But it is what it is. So we should expect some lower scoring, some tighter um, leaderboards into the weekend. And uh, with that, like I said, the Super Prox does all the work for you. This is just gives you an idea. The golf course isn't long. We really don't need to do anything fancy with waiting off the tee. Um, I will say, though, if you do wait approach, which we're going to look at, you should wait off the tee from a historical standpoint or at least tee to green. Maybe, maybe tee to green is even better this week. Um, the reason why is, and I kind of dropped this into our discord strokes gained approach, isn't a metric against players. It's a metric against the baseline. So like we see in showdown and which is what the showdown sheets are really helpful with avoiding those pitfalls. You know, if someone gains if Bryson DeChambeau, which is probably a terrible example at the moment, cause he's, he doesn't exist in the world of golf. Um, if he gains a stroke on approach, that's not the same as, um, We'll just use Brendan Todd as the example from a couple weeks ago. If Brendan Todd gains a stroke on approach versus Bryson DeChambeau, it's not the same. They're both gaining a stroke on approach, but it's against the baseline, not against each other. If they're playing against each other, the only difference in those two players will be off the tee or tee to green at some point. I mean, tee to green kind of will sum it up at that point, but off the tee most likely. So what I mean by that is Bryson DeChambeau has 120 yards into a hole versus 140 or 150 from Brendan Todd. If they both gain a stroke on approach, Bryson DeChambeau is playing better than Brendan Todd. He's going to have more birdie opportunities. He's going to have better looks at it. So again, strokes gain off the strokes gain approach is fine, but you want to weigh in other metrics because I mean, the shortest hitter, if this was Corey Pavin's era, he's probably gaining strokes on approach and you go play him and you're wondering why he doesn't play very well at a 7,400 yard golf course because he can't gain any strokes off the tee because he hits at 240. I don't know, 260, whatever he hit it back then. Not very far. Um, so definitely consider using other stats when you use approach. You should already, but just to reiterate that point, that's why. And that's definitely a big pitfall with um, showdown, which is probably one of the biggest edges is if people are just looking at approach, it's not player to player specific. It, it, it's just not going to, it's not going to give you a very good indication of how player A is playing against player B in that scenario. You got to look deeper. Um, and that's what helps. 
So, all right, let's take a look at the super procs and we can uh, walk through it. So when this first loads, it's just it's just loaded by salary. So we have Sung JM here at 11,000, Louis Oosthuizen at 10.8, Joaquin Neiman 10.6, Daniel Berger, Kepka, et cetera, on, all the way down. I'll point out a couple of the key columns. Um, every every week, I like weighted green regulation. I, I just, I don't see a way, I don't see, I mean, obviously if you're a punt, and you're way down, way down in pricing, you've probably got to be a little bit more lenient. I should be a little bit more lenient on weighted green regulation. But for the most part, in the top half of the pricing, weighted green regulation is a big deal for me. Um, even against strokes can approach, honestly, if, if you're not gain, you can gain strokes on approach. And if you're still hitting only 12 greens in regulation, that's not good. I don't care if you hit it from 240 to six feet on one hole, and then all the rest or to 40 feet or 30 feet. And then you, you know, missed a couple of greens that one that's where spectrum comes in. But again, not to beat a dead horse, green regulation is a big deal for me, um, particularly in the top half of the pricing. So we'll look at that, especially this week. I mean, I, I include weighted driving accuracy and weighted greener regulation. So that'll be important. And then we'll just walk through the bucket. So as you can see, there's a big difference with how some of these guys play this golf course. Um, I mean, Sung JM is pretty spread out. Um, Louis Oosthuizen is pretty condensed here in 150 to um, 200 yards. So 34% of his shots, 175 to 200, and on down the list. And then over here on the far right, which is what I mentioned in the first 15 minutes that wasn't part of the show, um, you have two columns, which just summarizes everything so you don't have to like manually do anything. Um, X-projected birdies. And this is essentially for those proximity numbers. Um, this doesn't include par five just because par five proximity is finicky on, you know, do you count their second shot um, when they go for it? Or do you weigh it against their third shot? Because if, you know, if I lay up to 100 yards and this guy went for it and had 20 yards, it's not apples to apples. So I, I just avoided that. And it probably doesn't make a difference this week since it's only two par fives. But again, it's just, the par five scoring um, isn't included in this, basically. Um, so you can sort by projected birdies. You can do largest to smallest. This includes uh, all the proximities with their putting statistics included, which which is kind of nice. And then the far right is their weighted proximity, which I like quite a bit. And you'll see guys that pop up here in proximity. Maybe not so much in the putting. You got Lucas Glover here, number two. And he's not going to putt very well. It's just part of it. But he is 7,400, and he's worth a dart if you're uh, if you're looking that route. So what I would do starting off here, so we can look at the pricing. So make this a first look and talk through some players. Um, like I said, the first thing I'll always do, generally speaking, is I will filter on weighted green regulation above average. That just weeds out the negatives, basically. Uh, like I said, you could go down to the bottom and probably need to add in some negatives. Just you, you just can't be that picky. Um, but I would be really, I would, I would have to have a pretty strong argument against, um, or I guess for the idea of playing someone losing weighted green regulation because again, it's weighted to the field and the and the event or course, and weighted driving accuracy. So if you're losing in both, that's not a very good sign to play you this week at least even if your course history is good. So green regulation, number one, um, we can use spectrum off the T spectrum approach. 
I guess we could do spectrum approach and just do like above average. Um, let's do top 60% for this one. Just make it a little bit wider of a, of a range. So top 60% off the tee doesn't really matter. Um, this week, I know, like I just said, you, you should weigh it. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to weigh it in there. If it's just eyeballing it or, um, using like weighted driving accuracy. Uh, driving accuracy might be the way to go. Um, and there's nothing really that stands out for Josh in, in the chat. I assume he's in the chat. There's your Brian Harmon short game right there. Nice. Killing it. Um, <laughs> getting two strokes around around the green. That's good. Yeah, so I think from there, we just go through it um, player by player. So that weeds out a good number. So right there, by me taking the top 70% or 60% in spectrum approach per round and weighted green regulation rate, that gives me a pretty tight pool. Um, is there more trouble off the tee or on approach? That's a question from Josh in the chat. Um, I mean, I would say off the tee, to be honest. There's trouble both, but... What I recall, there's more water in play off the tee. Um, yeah, I think there's more trouble off the tee. Again, I, I still want to weigh green regulation, so I don't, I don't know, I don't know what your angle is with that, Josh. Um, just kidding. It's, it's definitely there's a lot of trouble off the tee. So, like, if you were to go back to to older events at the Honda, a lot of the double bogey or worse was due to a drive in the water, basically into a hazard. Very rarely. Um, <clears throat> the greens aren't very easy. I will say like, they're kind of, they're kind of built up. They're not like classic Donna Ross where they, they fall off all which way they, there's decent protection with bunkers and rough. So it's not like treacherous. Um, but I would definitely say it's, it's like 70, 75% more difficult off of the tee getting it in play versus, uh, if you're in the fairway trying to hit it on the green, like that's not going to be a concern If the wind picks up. Sure. It's going to be tough everywhere, but yeah, off the tee is off the tee is very tricky here. It's, it's very difficult to say. Um, so let me pull up the data golf um, thing real quick. So like I said, so shows driving accuracy at 65% and green regulation rate here at 64%. Um, this doesn't really help me with like, the penalties like this says missed fairway penalty um doesn't really tell me if someone hit in the water or not penalty strokes per round every player is averaging 0.7 so like almost a whole someone's going to get a penalty stroke around like every player is going to get a penalty stroke around almost so it's very high and i would i would venture to besides the bear trap holes um that's going to be all tee shots yeah the tee, the tee shots are tough all right, so across the bat, I think it'd probably be best just for us to look across. Um, again, you have the sample size here. Ustazen only has four rounds, 69 approaches. Nice. Um, he's really sticking it from 75 to 100 yards with his two approaches of an average of 8.8 feet. So again, like sample size is a concern with the 5T, but 10T is available. So it's not a bad way to look at it. The trouble is, like with Neiman last week, he really only played the Farmers since the fall swing. So seeing his results at the Farmers outweigh the fall swing numbers was pretty important. 
And that's why you see his numbers here from spectrum approach off the tee around the green. Everything is just sky high the last two weeks or last two terms he's played. But yeah, you can see most of the, most of the shots are going to come in in this 150, 175 to 200. And, uh, and that's, that's really where I would look for who stands out. Like Keith Mitchell is interesting. 9,100 for Keith Mitchell. His proximity numbers are all really good. So 125 to 150, 20% of his shots from there, he's averaging 26 feet. It's pretty good. Um, 150 to 175, 28 feet, and then 35 feet from 175 to 200. And he's making he's making a birdie, um, was that one out of five times? It's pretty good. Even more from 35 feet, which... That might be a little bit hard to maintain. So yeah, that's Keith Mitchell's really interesting. And then what we can do, and I'll just go ahead and do this now. Um, if we go back to fantasygolfbag.com and click extended approach, I'm just curious what proximity numbers overall he's he's hitting to. If it actually looks better, or if it's because of the the course specific numbers that we pinned with the uh, super proc sheet. All right. So same with the first one, I'm just going to download it. The cool thing with the extended approach is you can model it. So there's rankings. Um, there's a rankings column. So you can actually put in weights for different stats. You can put it in for procs, um, strokes gain off the tee approach, putting, whatever you want. And um, you can actually get a custom ranking here. So I'm not going to tinker with that now, but you can see that if you're watching the video, obviously you can see that on the far right. But for me, I'm just curious with Keith Mitchell. So I'll just use this to eyeball it. So you can see here, he's gaining 0.7 strokes off the tee, give or take. 0.2 on approach. And then across the board, weighted procs, which is what I'm, mostly concerned with is all these middle columns weighted procs he's above everybody that's that's impressive yeah so yeah let's go let's just hammer the tens really quick and i'm gonna pull up data golf and look at keith mitchell but just so he kind of jumped out at me as we went through that top the top pricing so not to overlook sungjay ustaz and Neiman who are the only ones gaining um, green regulation. Sungjae's number here on driving accuracy stands out to me quite a bit. So again, this is weighted to the field. So it doesn't matter if these are huge fairways or tight fairways or if it's windy or firm or soft, whatever. Man, and I would be willing to bet you we're going to have some values as we go down that we can play. But this might be a week to to pay up for Mr. Sungjae. The problem is his prox numbers don't look great. They're really, really pretty bad, to be honest. So what I'm looking at for people listening on the podcast, the uh, Sungjae is at 11K um, on DK. His his average his average proximity from 125 to 150 which on this golf course, he's hitting about one in four shots from this from this range. 
Um, 29 29 feet. It's really not that good. And that's recent form, not just course specific on the on the 29 feet. Uh, 150 to 175, 38 feet. And that's with 55 shots. So it's not small sample size. That's surprising, to be honest. Still very consistent. Like, it's not bad, but it's not like, it's not high as you would want to see it. Yeah, this might be it. This might just be a 10K plus fade. So let's just move on to the 9Ks for now. So again, for the 10Ks that did show up when I filtered it, for those listening on the audio podcast, Sung JM at 11K, Louis Ustay's at 10.8, and Joe Keenan at 10.6. So all three look fine. I don't know if any stand out as like great plays. The one thing that did stand out to me for, for Sung Jay. Again, he's gaining on green regulation, which is good on this golf course. He's won here before. That's good. The driving accuracy, though, 11% gain on the field is pretty solid. You don't see that very much. Good Bez down here popping there, Josh. Uh, he's chalky. Are you talking about Sungjae? Yeah, I mean, the win equity isn't there for, for Sungjae in this type of field. It just he hasn't been playing as sharp as he was last year. Um, definitely not as consistent. I can pull up his data golf card really quick. Um, Sung JM. Some really big numbers on approach this season so far. Um, so he had his one lone win back at the Shriners. So far this season, or this season, this uh, calendar year, 2022, he's, I mean, the guy, the guy plays a lot of golf. Uh, he's played five tournaments already. Game strokes in four of the five total. Missed cut at the Sony. T11, T6 of the Farmers, T33 of the Genesis. So in cash, he's probably one of the safest ones up there. And with having a win at the Honda in a TA last year, it's probably pretty safe. But yeah, like to Crack's point, he's very expensive. And we talked about this last week. This isn't the same type of field with it being stacked. So I think there is a little bit more incentive to pay up for a Sung JM type. There's just not a lot of, I mean, seriously, I just talked about Keith Mitchell for two or three minutes there and he's 9,100. So there's really just not a lot of um, balanced builds that are very appetizing. So in this situation, you kind of want to pay up for somebody and then build bounce a little bit in the eights and then just try to get one punt that, that works out in the sixes. But like last week, I don't know. I don't know what won the, um, the Millie. I can't remember what the lineup was or not the Millie, the, uh, whatever the big $20 was. It was, um, not Rom, who was highest price, and we talked about that on the Wednesday night stream. So we were spot on there, crack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very, it's very um, field relevant, crack. So I mean, yes, it's, it's very expensive. I mean, at a certain point, um, there's 
I mean, there's, it's just a, such a small margin for like, what's the right price for Sungjae? Um, you know, is he 11K? Is is it too high? Is 10K plenty of value? And again, $1,000 can go a long way. But I do think you, you're missing, you're not getting much more consistency by saving a couple thousand and then gaining it on the bottom end either. But we'll, we'll look at the values here in just a second. Um, I don't think you can build a cash line starting with Sunday. We're definitely going to try on Wednesday night, Josh. Thanks for the comment. <laughs> so we talked about Keith Mitchell. I mean, just the guys that pop right off the bat. I mean, that's not a bad way to, to look at guys. Mito is going to be pretty popular this week. Um, Cameron Young is probably like the worst course fit on this golf course, right? I mean, he doesn't have to hit driver. Let's look at his proximities. So if you don't see a box here, it's basically using the field average from the last two years. It's just not player specific. It's just field average. So it's not as accurate, but it's close enough. Um, yeah, not great. Nothing, nothing pops. I mean, for example, if you go down here to like Svensson, and the guys in the seven Ks, like there's guys in this mid buckets, Hudson Swaff or Dylan Fratelli. I think we're gonna be okay finding some values. It doesn't look good on paper. Obviously, no one wants to click Dylan Fratelli at seventy one hundred. I'm not even sure if he's made a cut this year. But uh we deal with what we have to deal with. Christian Bez, look at those procs, Josh. Long irons, not so much but pretty good and making some putts too. So I joked about Russell Knox, so I'm kind of all over the place, but we'll, we'll look at Keith Mitchell. So in the, in the 10 range, I do think it's worth spending up for somebody. It's, it's I do think in cash too, because I don't, I really don't think you're going to have just like the crazy good balance builds you saw last week. Um, and maybe you can make it look in, you know, look okay, but I still think there's enough made cut equity for uh, these 10K guys. Sunjay's been pretty consistent. I mean, I, I would try to play it, start with Sunjay, but we'll see. To Josh's point, it might just be too expensive. Uh, 9,100. Let's go take a look at Keith Mitchell. Talked about him last week on um, hole four. I think four was the uh, par three at the Genesis. I think it was 241. He hit it to six feet. He gained uh, 1.2 shots on the field on that one shot, something like that. Pretty crazy. Yeah, his last couple starts. Man, I'm not a big Keith Mitchell guy. And to be fair, I kind of confuse Keith Mitchell with Pat Kazire from time to time. I don't know why. I don't know if it's a Sea Island thing, but looking at Keith Mitchell's recent results, um, T10, T12, MC at the Farmers, which a completely different golf course, so I kind of throw that out in my head anyways. Sony Open, T7, that's a little bit closer, to be honest. Um, Sony Open doesn't have as much trouble off the tee. So if we look at the driving accuracy, um, 66%. So it's not much trouble as far as water. But a similar golf course, yardage, um, 
green regulation rates higher. So it's actually a very similar look at the look at the prox numbers 150 to 200 yards, 46% spot on to the Honda. So that's not to say this is going to be like a course comp. I'm definitely not saying that. But there's a lot of similarities when you cross off the Bermuda, the distance of the golf course, it's 40 or 20 yards longer than this golf course. Um, let's see. I think the fairway was a little bit wider, but driving accuracy, 66% green regulation rate, 75%. So the only difference. Interesting. Yep. Crack says, uh, kill a Keith always live. Yeah. I'm, I'm on, I'm on the Keith train. I think this week he's a, he's an interesting guy for course history. I mean, this is where I talk about looking at upside because in reality, this win looks kind of fluky and only time will tell. He's got a miscut, a win, a miscut T53. The golf course is tough though. If this isn't, this isn't, this golf course doesn't really scream course history to me. Um, the weather is a big factor. It doesn't take much for you to throw a double or triple out there. I mean, just one bad tee shot and you're staring at double bogey, if not worse. Um, it just doesn't take very much for you to miss the cut. Like the minus 2.32 minus 1.44 for him in 2020 and 2018 on approach. I'd be willing to bet he hit at least one or two balls in the water in one single round in 2020, probably in the bear trap. And then probably at least one ball in the water in 2018. So it's just, I would almost say the course history is fluky in that sense of bad. I like the, the Bermuda angle, the Y-Light angle. Uh, his recent form is great. Like I said, T12, T7, miscut, T12, T10. So a lot of top 15s. So Killa Keith at 9,100, I like quite a bit. And uh, we can check his, like I said, in the extended approach. You can pull him up and you can see he's pretty much green and weighted proximity and all those different stats, which is nice. It's interesting here, um, Crack. So, like, when I first filtered on green regulation, is it green regulation or approach? So, I'm using spectrum approach on the other sheet versus stroke scan approach in this sheet. Daniel Berger at 10.4 stands out quite a bit in the extended approach numbers. I mean, so I'm going to go unfilter this one and see where, what, what made him. Yeah, there you go. So the spectrum approach numbers actually has them losing strokes, which isn't a big deal. I'm not that concerned about it. Um, yeah, I think Daniel Berger is probably the, an interesting one for this week. I figured out why I was in the five T he is a little bit negative. That's why. 10T, he's positive. So that's the reason why there. Apples to apples, we got to look at it comparison. Uh, all right, so back to Super Proc. So we hit the 9Ks. Um, pretty much Keith Mitchell stands out the most. I'm not going to go back to defending champ Matt Jones. I think he made the cut last week, but nothing stands out. If you look through his numbers, nothing really jumps out as somebody that I want to play. Um, 
Hasn't been making any putts. Proximity numbers overall from these distances, like 175 to 200, he's averaging 45 feet. Um, and that's with 40 approaches. So, I mean, that's, again, not a small sample size. That's 40 shots. Uh, yeah, Keith Mitchell stands out to me. So, we'll just we'll just hang it there with Keith Mitchell. Alex Noren's probably fine. Um, his proximity numbers look pretty good overall. So, Keith, Keith Mitchell, Alex Noren, the cheap nines. Uh, who was he talking about? Yeah, so Crack made a good point. So, like, Berger, we don't know the news on Berger's back, but he's been he's been having an issue with uh, with his back since AT and T. So, it's I, I think the deal was because he played the um. Just trying to recount in my memory. He played the farm or the not the farm, the waste management, and he missed the cut, correct? Yeah, so I think the deal was he played the farmers T20. He was gonna be super popular. I was gonna play him at the ATT, and everyone apparently saw him on the telecast grabbing his back, or he looked like he was in pain at the farmers. I didn't notice that. That's on me. I was gonna play him, and he withdrew on Wednesday. He withdrew on Wednesday, goes to the waste management the next week and says, hey, I'm I'm going to test it out, um, and hopefully I'm able to play the Honda. He misses the cut, so at least he plays, and then he's been resting for the last uh, 14 days or so. So hopefully he's okay. I'll definitely be playing some burger and GPPs. There's no doubt about that. But in any any kind of high-dollar single entry, I don't, I don't see – I just feel like it's such a big risk. I mean, unless you're wakey-wakey and you can max the 555, um, and still eat really nice steaks and wine the next night. You should, uh, you should probably avoid burger in those type of contests just because the risk is high. Not just of a WD. I'm not saying he's going to WD, but just of him being a little bit uh, hesitant with his back. This isn't a very good golf course to be kind of binking it around. You kind of got to be fully committed out there. Yeah, he might be gimpy. Gimpy Burger. Um, <laughs> AK range. Let's see if anybody stands out. Uh, Mito has been getting a lot of talk, and, and I'm a big Mito guy. I, I mean, I think anyone that wins three times on the Corn Fairy Tour, even if it was, you know, 20 months or 18 months, whatever it was, it wasn't just a single season, has my attention. Uh, he hasn't been great this year. So, like, like, for me, if I'm going through this sheet, Patrick Reed's already out in my mind. Patrick Reed has been just fucking trash. So bad. I'll probably play him at the Masters. I'll, I'll just, maybe he gets priced down to, to 6,900 at the Masters and we'll play him. But um, he's been so bad. Uh, one and a half shot spectrum approach, negative. That's not good. Minus 6% weighted green regulation. That's not good. Minus 2.7 weighted driving accuracy. That's not good. Um, proximity numbers are bad. If we pull up just the regular stuff for Patrick Reed, you can just see one big red line. He's, I mean, this is awful. I don't think there's 6K guys this bad. Shit, like Andrew Novak, 6,200. So you can either, you can either play Patrick Reed at 8,800 or whatever he's at, or Andrew Novak at 6,200. You're getting the same golfer. Hot take. 
hot take. <laughs> um, but Mito, Mito has been playing better. So I think in the top range of the AKs, Mito is probably the guy I'll go to. Um, maybe a little bit of Brian Harmon. I don't see myself going back to Cameron Young this week. If I if I enter more lineups than $20 and I see that he's going to be low-owned, I don't even know what his ownership is going to be. I meant to pull it up. Um, oh, well, I'm not going to go run it now. Um, yeah, Vegas-wise, so quite a few guys. Like Johnson Vegas. Johnson Vegas is interesting. I'm curious what his course history is. Um, he can go low, and this isn't necessarily a golf course where you can go low, but like the green regulation rate is really high. Same with Russell Knox. Like, like when you start comparing it in a certain weighted aspect, it starts to stand out a bit more. So 125 to 150, Jonathan Vegas is very good with his wedges, averaging 21 feet. And that's with 27 shots. It's pretty good. Um, 30 feet from 150 to 175, still good. I mean, he's about in line with everybody else in this range. So not not bad. Bad would be um, Patrick Reed, 35 feet. So he's pretty good there. Um, not as sharp from 175 to 200. Not the end of the world. And Potter just has not been good. Overall proximities are good. Um, whoever thought about playing Jonathan Vegas in single entry, single entry at 8K? Yeah, American Express, he had some issues. But since then, he's been better. Um, so he did go overseas at the Saudi International and finished eighth. Farmers T39, again, not the same golf course, Genesis T55. Um, and that's kind of where the where the irons come into play. So off the tee and approach, he's gaining strokes, and the putter is just not, not cooking. Honda, decent course history the last four years, T30, T27, T16, T72. It's like not enough for a course history for me to be excited about. It's just enough for me to feel like, you know, did he squeak through the cut and just like play decent on the weekend to finish T30 or because he's not doing anything special around the green approach is all pretty much flat. Very interesting. All right. Let's see. Aaron Wise at 8,400. Nothing stands out. Um, yeah, nothing stands out. I think Russell Knox and Bizayden Hood are probably the, the last two guys we'll talk about here in the 8K range. Russell Knox is at 81. Christian Bizayden Hood at 8,000. I find it very interesting on his... On... Bizadenhood's driving accuracy because he's not known for off the tee. So if I go pull up his card on Data Golf, actually not bad. I don't know why we thought his off the tee wasn't very good. So he lost strokes off the tee last week, but. I'm not worried about that. He still missed the cut, so he just 
hit some bad drives. I'm sure he hit a couple in the trees or something and, and couldn't advance it or something. But uh, overall, he hasn't played the Honda. Yeah, here's his accuracy number. So driving distance. So Bazzani is not very long. So it's a cool little stat that they have on data golf. You can see. So traditional stats still have a place. They have distance and they have accuracy. Uh, I believe this is weighted. I'm not mistaken. I have to click a button. I'm not doing that. Um, so like every tournament, he's losing about 10 yards, I guess, against the field average, which is a lot. I mean, what's the field average? Like 290 nowadays. So he's hitting at 280. Um, but accuracy is very, very straight. That's a pretty good thing to have around PGA national. For example, um, and again, you can see that in the, the super proc sheet. I'm sorry. I keep minimizing this. Um, he's gaining 12% on the field in accuracy. Same with Russell Knox and green regulation. I mean, just, it just looks too good not to pass it up. Um, but for Bazadenhut, Sony Open, he finished T17. So we're already kind of throwing out the Sony Open comp, possibly. We're just, just throwing it out there. Um, Distance-wise, Bermuda Greens, uh, similar driving accuracy number. Not as big a penalty, but the accuracy is up there. 12% gain on the field, 20% gain at the Farmers, which is a long golf course, and that's nice of him just to make the cut. And that's probably where you see this number for his approach be really high. Cause like we talked about at the beginning of the show, if he, if he's got 200 yards into these par fours versus um, DJ having 150, he's, he's going to hit, he's going to have more opportunities to gain strokes by hitting an average shot. In my opinion, average shot, like 40 feet, he's going to gain strokes hitting it to 40 feet from 200 yards, which is still a pretty good shot. But I, I feel like you're, you're kind of rewarding someone that's really not, you know, competing against the, the top guys just because they're beating a baseline um it's still accurate accounting work but in my opinion for dfs it's very misleading like if dj gained 1.22 and and uh Bizane who gained 1.22 it's not the same it's just just not the same thing um but back to the accuracy 20 percent, 11 percent. so yeah i think Bizane who's interesting for uh yeah <clears throat> Just going down the board. I mean, this what we're looking at. If you're listening to the audio version on the data golf on the far right side, you'll see an accuracy column, and he's he's gaining 10 percent across the board on almost every event in accuracy, which is going to be very important this week for obvious reasons. So distance doesn't matter so much. Give me some uh, Bazaden Hoot, and then Russell Knox. We talked about him. I tweeted about him as a joke, but he really hasn't paid off on this golf course the last five five years. But he does have two top threes. I think it was two top threes. Uh, 2014, he finished second. 2015, he finished third. Since then, it's a terrible finish um, to rattle this off. But T26, miscut, miscut. T51, miscut, and then miscut last year. Um, He plays out of Jacksonville, so it's surprising that his putting is not great on Bermuda. He's just a bad putter. So, like... So this is the pandemic pandemic. This is the predicament fucking pandemic. Um, even if he, let's just say we, we map him out. He's going to gain strokes on approach. That's fantastic. And 
you know, if he gains a little bit off the tee, that's even better. If he just, even if he puts average, I mean, you're looking at like a T20 for him. I'm talking about, I mean, that's God, he's so bad. I don't watch enough of his own tour cast to see his putting, but apparently, apparently this guy's struggling. So I'm curious, like if we go to the super prox sheet, if we pull up Russell Knox, again, everything across the board looks good. He's, he's gaining off the T and spectrum um, approach is good. He is losing a shot, almost a full shot putting, which is very reflective um, of what we just looked at. And again, if we go all the way to the right, I bet his proximity numbers look pretty good. His putting's not bad, actually. So from this range, 175 to 200, he's going to get four of those. And he's going to make uh, just less than one around. So not bad. Not as bad as I was thinking it would be. There's another one, 25 feet. Okay. Sorry, kind of talking out loud on on Knox because it's interesting for his stats. If you're just looking at his stats, I don't think I don't think you could point to a bad number besides putting. Anything besides putting, I don't think you can show me something that's scary. Um, if I go to his normal sheet and go across the board for Russell Knox, again, you see the same numbers off the tee approach. He's weighted proximity buckets. He's gaining 3%, 4%, 6%. So very good. Um, 56% positive approach is just very consistent. And the putting is just atrocious so i'm curious look at rise distance and accuracy we will do that how cheap is rye this week 7400 not as cheap as i thought it would be yep so overall i mean we'll get down to the 7ks let's just hop there really quick um for the 8ks to recap and again, I know I, I jumped from like the tens to the to the eights pretty quickly off Keith Mitchell, but um, I think Bazainhut and Knox are are both in play. I really do like Bazainhut. I think the skill level uh, that he possesses for this golf course is really good. Um, if the driving accuracy is any any indication, and maybe I build a couple of lineups where I really just focus on above average driving accuracy with above average screen regulation rate. Because um, for example, I mean, if the guys are going to play. Um, play each round and let's just say they hit 15 greens. It's not a lot of room for trouble in the other three holes. Assuming they don't make double or something like that. Maybe birdie the par fives. <coughs> Excuse me. So with that example, if you just filter on weighted driving accuracy and green regulation, <coughs> excuse me, it'll, uh, Give you a nice little concise list. Billy Horschel is there for some ridiculous reason. All right, back to it. 
Crack will use Bez. That's good news. I will use Bez as well. I'm, I'm sold. The first look has a little bit of benefit now. Just looking at the driving accuracy, if I if I can trust that he's going to drive it that accurate, um, that's I mean that that's literally half the battle. Sixty six percent driving, sixty four percent driving accuracy, literally sixty four percent of the battle right there. Get it in play, and if he's going to hit, let's just say I have that twelve percent gain on the field. So what's that? Seventy five percent. Let's just say he hits seventy five percent of the fairways. That's pretty good. I'll take my chances with him hitting greens from the fairway. And what's what's the average distance here? Um, I don't think the percentages show. 150, 28 feet. 175 to 200 is a little bit of a concern there. I'm not going to lie. But if he can stay in this 20% range for both 125 to 150 and 150 to 175, that's pretty good. All right, enough best talk. Let's hit the um, – and then Mito. We talked about 8,900 Mito. That's good. 7K range. Let's hit um, Aaron Rye. So, like right off the bat, the first thing I eyeballed just now that we've we've talked through a couple guys with driving accuracy numbers, um, seven and a half percent gain on the field driving accuracy, two point three percent weighted green and regulation rate. Um, so let's go pull his card up, data golf, and to. Uh, Cracks credit, I'm assuming we'll see a little bit of the same. So first thing I'll look at, I, I'm already eyeballing the blue over here. So Crack is spot on with the accuracy. He's actually longer than Bez. So in a certain sense, he's a better play player than Bez just off of the distance and accuracy off the tee. Um, just curious on like the recent form. He's, he's very sporadic, I will say. So he's played all the events on the PGA tour this whole year, it looks like <laughs> he's played shit. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. He's played 12 events this season. I mean, if why not? You're playing for $1.6 million every week. Um, Genesis, he did make the cut. He finished T61 NDF at Pebble beach. So technically that's a made cut. He lost strokes on approach T6 of the farmers. It's pretty good there, I will say. T6 of the Farmers is solid. I don't know what he did there. He gained 15 yards on the distance. But yeah, so <clears throat> to Crack's point, accuracy is important. The RSM may be a good comp. Let's take a look at that. So we only have one golf course, 6,800 yards. It's a little bit higher driving accuracy, higher green regulation rate, much shorter approach distances. So I take that back. The RSM is not a good comp. I was thinking it from like the from the accuracy because it's a pretty. I thought it was a pretty accurate golf course or tight golf course. I don't know what this is. Uh, dot show PGA Tour average. So yeah, I don't I don't know how I how I'm supposed to read that. If that's accuracy is lower than PGA Tour average or higher. Yes, yeah, it's higher. There you go. Um, yep, so I take that back. RSM is not a good comp. But yeah, from the, the accuracy standpoint, that's pretty much spot on. The other guys, just to fill you in on guys in this range that check the box. So let's just look at top 20% driving accuracy. And let's just look at 7K guys. So Denny McCarthy. 
surprisingly enough. K.H. Lee, not too surprising, actually. He's a pretty good ball striker. Brendan Todd, not surprising. Aaron Rye, Alex Smalley, Adam Svensson, and Kevin Streelman down here at 7K. Streelman's had a rough go this uh, beginning of this year, though. Gaining on the field and uh, driving accuracy, but losing on the green regulation rate. I think Svensson's interesting. Let's take a look at Svensson's numbers. We know he's very accurate. Um, yeah, I mean, those numbers already look better. So, like, uh, for example, if we just use the, the data golf average, <clears throat> 150 to 200 yards. Between those two, he's 23 feet from 150 to 175 with 45 approaches. So, I mean, that's a, a healthy sample. 36 feet from 175 to 200. Um Still pretty good, up to 200 yards. It's a 25-yard bucket, so truthfully, it's a it's a large range. It could be that he had a lot of those 185 to 200 or 190 to 200, and it doesn't reflect that early 175 to 185 number. But um, I'm curious what Svensson looks like here. So... On the regular extended approach sheet, I'm really just looking at the weighted prox buckets. So this takes less into account of the approach numbers in, which this is where I think super prox is helpful. But this gives you an idea. Um, you know, he hits a lot of shots inside of 24 feet. Positive approaches, 55% positive approaches. So no concern with um, with Svensson. That's that's actually a really big number. So. We have a number here over 0.25 gained on approach per shot. He hits 26% of his shots, uh, iron shots, gained over a quarter of a shot. That's really high. All right, Svensson, let's take a peek. Logger doesn't hurt. Oh, Crack made a comment about Aaron Rye's distance. I think he was referring to over Bez's distance, but yeah, longer doesn't hurt. Um, so Svensson has been struggling. Same deal. You're going to have issues around the green of putting. So that's not a good sign, but the accuracy is good. I still, I still would take some shots on Svensson. T7 at the Sony Open. I mean, I don't know. Let's look at the leaderboard from the Sony Open. We might have to just pull a Sony Open course comp and, and look at it. Um, I mean, guys that have won here before. Russell Henley won the um, Honda Classic. Kisner usually plays well on uh, Bermuda. Russell Knox shows his face here at Sony. Keith Mitchell shows his face. Svensson shows his face. Connors. Palmer is not a course comp. That's unfortunate. Um, Kadira makes sense. Bazaden Hoot, T17. EVR, I'd play EVR here, which is surprising. Davis Riley. Davis Riley's on our list. So let's take a look at Davis Riley. Davis Riley. He does not crack the board for weighted driving accuracy, I don't think. Where did you go? So Davis Riley's right at 7K. If we go across the board, um, he actually is gaining off on driving 
uh, accuracy. Yeah. Spectrum approach, he's losing 0 0.03. So he's basically net to the field at even. His approach numbers are good. I mean, 30 feet on average. Davis Riley is definitely in play. Let's take a peek at him really quick. And apologies for the sniffles. <clears throat> I don't think I'm sick with anything serious. I think it's just, I think it's just allergies. There's a scale of allergies, by the way. It's like up to 12, which was news to me as of yesterday. And apparently Florida is facing number 12 on the scale. So, yeah, so, I mean, this is this is more, I don't want to say a gut play, because I do think the data reflects it, because I, I am including this data from the Farmers, where he lost two and a half strokes on approach. Again, I don't have the Farmers spectrum data just pulled up by hand, but I'd be willing to bet there's some numbers there um, where the 2.4 is not reflective of how he actually played. Um, he obviously played bad, because he played bad on like every asset um, for that event. But uh, overall, I mean, I don't think there's a problem looking at just accuracy. And then the green regulation rate is actually pretty high. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit – that's a little bit conflicting, to be honest. He hasn't played since Pebble. Yeah, so he hasn't played since Pebble. So if we go pull his 10T, which is his last 10 tournaments for Davis Riley at 7K. Still the same because he, I mean, that's really all he's played because he hasn't played anything since uh, Pebble. The numbers look good. Yeah, I think, I think you got to play some, uh, Davis Riley. There's a couple other guys in there that that kind of pop. Sabatini, Sink shows his shows his face. Dylan Fratelli, Hudson Swafford. How did Hudson Swafford play last week? Again, now I'm jumping around a bit. My head's not fully clear, so I apologize. We're still in the low sevens. We're just kind of eyeballing guys on the sheet and then bouncing to uh, Data Golf to pull it up. Honda comp. Are you saying Honda comp is a comp for uh, Sony or vice versa? I wonder if you could comp it one way and not the other. It doesn't seem right, right? Shouldn't be. Um, all right. So we're looking at Hudson Swafford. So Hudson Swafford did not play last week. His last two finishes, the AMX he won. Uh, farmer's insurance, miscut, waste management, T60, but he gained strokes on approach. His driving accuracy, his distance is high, which I guess isn't a bad thing, but I kind of kind of want to see more accuracy. But been very good. Um, his history at the Honda is a mixed bag, similar to most everybody else that's played here. Miscut last year, T21 in 2020. MDF in 2019, T64 in 2018. So Hudson's interesting. These are these are definitely guys. The guys that I'm mentioning are definitely going to make my player pool. I'll have exposure. The discussion around like cash, obviously I'll write it up in my article and guys that I, I really just lean on. Um, but these are certainly 
guys in play. Um, for Telly, another guy, his course history is sporadic. Two missed cuts, an 11th and a T58 his last four years here. Um, his last couple starts, his accuracy sucks. So that might be enough for me to just not play Dylan Fratelli. I actually watched him. What was that? The Farmers? I think it was the Farmers. Um, man, he was, he had, he had the duck hooks. He was hooking it left like hard. Cause he had, yeah, I mean, you can see his off the T numbers. So I think when I ran it, his off the T numbers were even worse based on spectrum which is hard to do like, like spectrum from a strokes game perspective, spectrum data will be, will clean up a lot of the fluky shots. So it'll be a little bit better or a little bit worse. It's very rare that it's way worse. And it was, and I went back and looked at him and he, he duck hooked one out of bounds, retee duck hooked it again in the hazard dropped. So he's basically lying four from the same tee shot. So it's again, you're, you're really losing a, a lot of strokes off the tee. Oh God. Yeah. Um, I mean, even at the Honda, he's losing to the field. Now that they have this, I'm curious. So if I go back to Knox, so like we just talked about Knox before I pull this up, we just talked about Knox's. Um, I'll make myself bigger for this. So we just talked about Knox um, having some mixed bag of course history. So back in 2014, 2015, he had two top threes. And then if the last six years, um, I think he has like four or five missed cuts, right? So it's very, from a course history standpoint, there's nothing you can rely on. You can't really count on, oh, it's just the missed cuts that matter. And you can't count on the top threes. Otherwise, the last six years, you would have lost a lot of money thinking Russell Knox is going to just hammer out top threes every year. So I'm going to pull up Russell Knox. And I'm curious, before we scroll down, I'm curious if, the years that he finished in the top three, if his driving accuracy was notably better than the last five or six years, I don't know, but I'm curious if that's that's happened. A little bit better. So, yeah, I mean, it's not notable, but it's definitely high. So in 2014, he gained 13% on the field. Outside of last year, he did gain 10% on the field and still missed the cut. His highest was like 4% gain on the field, so it was worse. No idea what his game was at the time, but uh, 2019, pretty much the same. He's just hit or miss, and I think the putter is really his problem. So I think I think you play Russell Knox, and you just you hope that the uh, the putter isn't complete garbage. Squeaks through the cut. He may be chalking and maybe it's worth taking the, the putt angle. Because, like, honestly, the, the putting is not an inconsistency. Like, people talk about volatility in putting. And, uh, I mean, you can you can even see it. You can literally see it in his, in his results this year. He's consistently bad. That's not, that's not volatility. He's just a bad putter. And there's some guys, like, you probably pull up Spieth, and he's a good putter every time. There's no volatility. The volatility is are they going to gain one stroke or 1.5 strokes? Volatility. Speed. Pull up speed. First look is great. We get into all these different tangents and talk about, you know, actual strategy. This year he's actually been all over the place, surprisingly enough. So, yeah. So, this is a speed player card. 
around the green. Everyone hates around the green. Shout out Nelson because he he really loves spiefing Jason on the uh, the spief around the green chip-ins. But that's just his game. Like it's not fluky in this sense, and it's not volatile in this sense. Putting, he he certainly can make his share of forty-five or fifty footers on occasion in certain tournaments. But this is not volatility. This is just his game. It's a skill. It's literally a skill. So take what it is. Spieth was a turtle weekend um, at the Genesis. Yeah, I watched. Look at that distance. Um, all right, so 6K range. So the 7K is pretty spread out. We, we didn't really hammer anybody specifically. Um, the bottom range I do like, so we talked about Smalley. Um, we didn't pull up Sink, but Sink's worth looking into. Uh, Davis Riley is it's kind of like a shot in the dark in a way. He hasn't played since Pebble, but the way his game sets up for this golf course, it looks like it should agree. Svensson makes sense. Um, Aaron Rye makes sense. Fratelli, I'm undecided. I'll probably punt them on like FanDuel. Um, I'll see what the pricing is on FanDuel versus DK for, for Fratelli. My gut says you don't play Fratelli because he's going to snap hook a couple in the water left. Um, Hudson Swafford's fine. Nick Taylor's actually doesn't check out as well as I was hoping. His course history is really good. Like he's near the top. Uh, when you look at Nick Taylor, where'd you go? Seventy-two hundred. So you can look across the board. I mean, two strokes around. Uh, or I'm sorry, four strokes around. Ball striking at this golf course. Miscut. Uh, yeah, probably no Nick Taylor. No Nick Taylor. Aaron Rye. Seb Straka. Um, don't think it stands out. Yeah, no no Straka. Grayson Sig, I think, is a good play. Like Grayson Sig at 7,400. Lucas Glover, probably take a shot. Uh, Michael Thompson's getting a little bit of talk about. I haven't dove into him too much. I just don't want to spend too much time in the 7K range because there's a lot of – if you download the sheet, you can sift through everybody in here. I really do think in the 7K range, green regulation is very important. Um and I would lean towards the high side on driving accuracy. It's all it's it's always a complete package. Like we, you know, I make a joke about using, you know, strokes gain approach as the everyone's going to use strokes gain approach in their model, and everyone's going to end up with the same guys. Obviously, you got to use a complete package in some sense. But for me, in this golf course, it seems pretty straightforward. Where accuracy <clears throat> is paramount, and accuracy to me is two components: driving accuracy. And green regulation, which is inaccuracy with the irons. So those are the two main pieces. Um, like I said at the top of the show, I don't think you would have to have a very strong argument for me to play someone that's losing, certainly in both categories, but probably specifically in green regulation. I don't see any any way I can play someone um, losing to the field in green regulation going to this golf course. It just doesn't make sense to me. I hope someone wins. That's that's really sucking, like Kevin Streelman. Um, 6K range. Let's just filter out, like I just said, green regulation, above average, driving accuracy, above average. And let's just see who stands out. Um, and then we'll look at above average for procs. I should say below average. 
Um, let's see. Ryan Armour stands out quite a bit. That's interesting. Sample size is a little bit small, so take that with a grain of salt. Satoshi Kodaira, that makes sense. And he actually played well at the Sony. Um, Von Taylor makes a lot of sense. He actually showed up, I mean, very high. So let's go take a look at Von Taylor really quick. Let's try to cap this show at an hour 20. I have to take my Metamucil and all my other medicines. <laughs> um, Von Taylor. So he's played a lot at the Honda. You think he would be a pretty good fit? PGA National. Did they change the golf course? I feel like they changed it back in like 2010. PGA. PGA National. Okay. No, I guess not. I'm picturing some holes. I thought maybe just thinking of Doral in Miami or something. Yeah, because I guess I guess Henley won here. So he doesn't have any good course history. Some made cuts, but they're all like T42, T59, a couple T25s, T20-ish finishes. Nothing good. So yeah, course history I wouldn't rely on. I think Von Taylor's okay. He would be like literally – it would be a it would be a GPP dart because <clears throat> he's honestly not that cheap for what form he's bringing here. Um, losing strokes putting hasn't had any good finishes, so yeah, Vaughn Taylor. I think it I think it's worth a shot. Again, it's a weak field, so it's not the same as like using him last week in a stronger field with he's being like a French play. But uh, yeah, I think he's worth consideration. Tringali, has he straightened out his drive? Um, <clears throat> Tringali withdrew this week, right? Or are you just asking in general? And I don't think I don't think he had a problem with his drive. Remember he got hurt, Tringali? Um, pretty sure he was hurt. But... Besides the point, I, I, th I thought he would drew. But, yeah, he was hurt and played him last week, and it worked out really well. So we'll keep going back to Tringali. I mean, Tringali, 7,300 last week was just ridiculous. He had win equity. Seriously, he had win equity in that tournament. Um, Hayden Buckley at 6,600 looks okay from a proximity standpoint. Putting, not so much. Again, you're going to have to make some, some decisions on this range. Uh, ben Coles has been popping quite a bit. Not a lot of sample. But let's go take a peek. He is gaining on both green regulation accuracy. I think I played him in show, showdown at uh, Pebble. I think it was Pebble. Yeah, all over the place. Did finish T41 here in 2013. Not sure how he got into the event so um let's just see if anyone else stands out that's real strong i'm going to use the other sheet really quick um austin smotherman has some pretty good proc stats
Yeah, his approach numbers look really good. So Smotherman, 6,800. Um, Kadira is way up there. So Kadira is definitely in play. Ryan Armour is really green. So I'm going to take a peek at him before we get off the show. Um, Afa Barnrat's checking out. Why is Afa Barnrat? I have one round. I have one round on Afa Barnrat. He missed the cut at like the Amex. He gained strokes that day. Pebble. Yep. So he missed the cut at the Pebble and gained strokes. <laughs> I'll probably play some Kyrdash. Why not? And then the last guy I'll talk about. I do think Satoshi, I kind of just mentioned in passing because Satoshi's a really good play. If we're talking about course comps, and let's just say Sony is a decent one. Um, and I think, honestly, I think they have a, uh, they have a course, course fit tool. So like for PJ National, let's see if Wiley's up here somewhere. Probably not. We're just making it up, but data says no. I don't see it. Let's check it this way. Oh, it's players. It doesn't look far off. So that's the green. And then PGA National. So driving distance is higher and approach is higher. Huh. It's pretty similar, just a little bit more on that distance aspect, I guess. Uh, Ryan Armour. Ryan Armour's last guy I'll talk about. Like I said, Satoshi, I think, is a, a good play. <clears throat> Ryan Armour. Yeah, last couple starts. So he hasn't played since Pebble. T20 at the Sony. So, again, that's a good sign. Accuracy off the tee is spot on. I mean, he's gained 10% plus on the field, which is great. At distance is not the highest, which is fine. This isn't – if we want to talk about course fit, that's kind of what you want to fit it to. And then Pebble, he finished T28. Gained a little bit off the tee and a little bit putting – or a little bit on approach. And he did gain strokes putting. So, very poor results, I would say, from a course history standpoint. Some good stats at the event, but he has, since 2015, one, two, three, four missed cuts, a T12, and a T58. So, again, I, I just I don't think there's a lot of course history to hold. Um, so I would, as I mentioned course history, just kind of know that I'm just saying that more for information purposes. I don't think there's a lot to be held for uh, – viewing someone's course history here and knowing if they're going to be a good player or not. I think obviously the recent form is important, but some of it's just the golf course and, and seeing if they can get through certain stretches of holes without a mistake. Unfortunately, the cut shouldn't be low obviously, but they can avoid some big numbers. Avoiding double bogeys will be big. And I hate when people talk about like, Oh, just look at bogey avoidance. 
Bogey avoidance doesn't matter if they play the West, the waste management Phoenix open. And then you come to Honda bogey avoidance makes no difference. So double bogey or worse, maybe I, I could see like if people really avoid double bogeys everywhere, like for the last two years. Okay. But yeah, when soon as someone says bogey avoidance, that doesn't mean anything at all. The only thing that means is for that event, they didn't, they, they avoided bogeys for that event has no meaning to future events. Zero. Um, okay. Final ramp. That was it. Pretty good event. Um, overall, we'll be back. Uh, I think all the data is up. The projections and ownership will be up tomorrow morning. And then um, our live stream will be back Wednesday. We'll talk about the weather. And then uh, my core article should be out tomorrow night or Wednesday morning. I do a quick a course preview on Tuesday, and then we'll finish up with um, the plays on, on Wednesday right around lunchtime. That's usually where I hammer out the player, my player pool core, more or less. So, appreciate everybody tuning in to the fancy golf bag first look. I'm sorry we went a little bit long. Um, this was a bit complex in terms of like trying to decipher the field between like some of the odds on the top price guys and those cheap guys because there's not enough course history for you to feel great about. And maybe, maybe, maybe that's an edge in a certain sense because maybe DK prices in course history more. If you look back at like a Sung JM, um, a Keith Mitchell at 9,100, again, I think Keith Mitchell is a good play. But if if any of those guys that have won are priced up, that might be an opportunity for you to fade. Um, so we'll see. I'll probably write about that in the article. I'll look into guys that have, have won here in the past and what their next best finish is because I doubt it's very, very, very consistent over the next like five years just because the golf course is volatile. Um but again, appreciate you guys tuning in. Sorry this ran 120. Wow. Um, yeah, thanks, Crack. So we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. And uh, thank you for tuning in. As always, uh, like, rate, whatever the podcast thing says to do. And uh, we'll catch you on Wednesday night for the live stream. Best of luck this week in all your contests. Reach out to me on Twitter at Red Kachik if you have any questions. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye.